0: Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, the podcast where we break down the delusions, fallacies, and misunderstandings about markets, investing, and risk. I'm your host, Ken Goldberg, and I've spent the last four decades immersed in the world of finance and investments, from big Wall Street firms to the Chicago trading floor. I have founded and sold three hedge funds, won the World Cup Trading Championship, and my insights have been highly sought after as the most read outside contributor at street.com. In this podcast, it's just you and me deep diving into the topics that most investors just don't understand. I'll be sharing my experiences, observations, and strategies to help you level the playing field and make more informed decisions. So let's go. Today's show is about the concept of insider selling. Now, if you're not familiar, an insider is a corporate officer of a company or someone outside the company that sits on the board or has some type of relationship, consulting relationship to that company. And everyone that I've just mentioned is subject to certain rules of when they can buy and when they can sell. For instance, they cannot they cannot buy or sell in a certain period called a blackout period, which surrounds the company's earnings announcements. When they do sell, corporate insiders have to file their actions with the SEC because Certain size of transactions, certain size purchases and sales um, have limits when you're an insider. But there's many other reasons why insiders sell their shares. Sometimes they sell shares to raise money to pay taxes on profits they've already made. Other times they may be leaving the board of directors and they need to reduce their exposure there are many reasons why insiders sell but one reason that they don't sell is when they believe their stock is rising in other words you never see insiders selling at big stock market lows because they've already suffered the pain of the decline in their value And you do see insiders selling at stock market highs, or at least highs that they perceive are not going to last. What would that look like? So if I'm an insider in a company, and I realize that there's been a rise in the market, or a very big rise in the market, and I know my company's near-term prospects, don't support that price, I may choose to sell some stock in the belief that those shares are going to fall in price. On the other hand, if I am an insider in a company and I know what's coming in the next six months to three years down the road, and I believe whatever that is that's coming is going to massively benefit the stock, the company and its price, then I am definitely not going to be selling my shares unless I absolutely have to. So if you take a look at the first chart, if you have that available, you'll see the what's called the insider transactions ratio. And this is a piece of data that's put out by Barons, and it tracks the sales of insiders. And it turns out that insiders do not sell stock when they believe their stock prices are about to rise that would be ridiculous that would be like thinking that i know the value of my wealth is about to go up and i don't want any of it so i'm going to sell it now so you have to use this data as a harbinger of things to come for instance when the insider's transaction ratio reaches above a certain level, then it's an extraordinary amount of selling. And not just one insider for one company, but this ratio tracks all the insiders from many companies. And when this ratio gets to where it is right now at 33 This is in the bearish zone. What does bearish mean? Bearish means that the price or prices or value is about to decline. The bullish zone is when insiders are buying. And typically that's seen after an extended market decline when they believe that the value of their company's shares is not being reflected. So if I believe my company's shares are undervalued if the public is not really getting how great my company's prospects are I'm going to buy more shares and I'm going to do that under the belief that in a short period of time or some near term period of time the public is going to realize that the the share price is too low and they're going to buy some therefore I'm going to buy when prices have fallen and I believe they should be higher. Conversely, I'm gonna sell when I believe that the public has put too much value into the shares and the company is gonna have a hard time earning enough money to validate that valuation. That's why we get this concept called the PE ratio, the price to earnings ratio. And when the price to earnings ratio gets too high, that means that there's too much price for the amount of earnings. And again, that's when insiders will sell. Now, when this red line on this chart gets to this level around 30, that tells us that, it's, that many, many insiders at many, many companies believe that their stocks are overvalued. So that is really the explanation of a very usable tool it's easy to track you can follow it in barrens and you don't have to do anything with it until you see that red line fall either below 10 or rise above 30. anywhere else doesn't mean anything but you can use this indicator to explain why some stocks are just not going up why at the current time There's this group of stocks called the Magnificent Seven. And those are the big tech, huge names that we all know and love. And they might be rising in certain indexes, like the NASDAQ, the big tech sector. But in other indexes, like the Russell, which has 2,000 stocks of smaller market cap, which are the stocks that most people have in their portfolio, because we're trying to find the next amazon the next microsoft the next apple so this is a really interesting data piece and i thought i would explain it in as great a detail as i tried to do and hopefully you can keep your thinking to the point of when this ratio gets high and corporate insiders are selling It's a hint that maybe we should be selling with them. Again, there's many reasons why corporate insiders, owners of big percentages of companies, sell their stock. But the belief that the stock is about to rise is not one of the reasons. So the fact that they're selling right here, right now, at a very high extreme, tells us that in general, Corporate insiders don't believe their stocks are about to make very large moves to the upside. All right. I got some questions in the past couple of weeks about the media and how all they talk about all day long was this concept of a 20% rise off of a market low means a new bull market i talked about it a couple weeks ago i had a chart on it but it keeps coming up so i found this other chart courtesy of Elliott wave international which is our data partner they give us a lot of the charts that we use and in fact if you look below the if you scroll down to the show notes you can see a special link that they've provided where they're offering a special deal only for listeners of leveling the playing field. So maybe take a look at that and see if that's something that you want. It's great data. I've used their data for decades, and it has helped me tremendously. Great to have access to. So let's go look at this chart. This is a chart that is the graphic of the 1929 to 1932 Great Market Crash. And as you can see, there are five rallies during that entire crash of 20% or more. If you include the one rally of 19%, this is, there are six rallies of 19% or more while the stock market was crashing 89% from 1929 to 1932, three years, a 90% destruction Of stock market wealth. And during that entire 90% destruction, there were six rallies of 19% or greater. Let's just round that up six rallies of 20% or greater. And here they are. You can see how big each of those rallies were. You can see the percentages off the low. And you can imagine that each one of those was surrounded by media focusing us on this concept of, well, it's 20% off the low, the market decline must be over and a new bull market must be in place. And so here is clear, factual data that just because an index or a market or the media for that matter is trying to get us to believe that everything's fine because simply the market's risen 20% off the low is a fallacy and a potential trap to even greater wealth decline. If you look to the next chart, this is the third chart now, you'll see again, courtesy of Elliott Wave International, this is a chart of how speculative the public has become. And each of those green bars is the average contracts traded per day of options. And as you can see, there's a couple of them noted here and pointed out. For instance, halfway through 2020, you can see that SPACs and IPOs were receiving massive amount of option play. Again, to to the right of that, in the where there's a double arrow and a red box, a red horizontal box, that is when the market peaked. So right into the late 2021, early 2022 market peak, the all-time high, which currently stands in every market index, you can see a big spike up into that yellow box that matched the mid-2020 option volume. The public was not only betting on stocks, which were at all time highs, but they were betting on leverage in the options market. How can I leverage my money? Because they believe that all time highs were times to add money to the market. It's usually not the best time to add money to the market. A good time to add money to the market is at lows, not highs, and especially not all time highs. Well, Look to the right, and as you can see, option volume has remained relatively stable, some ups and downs around that yellow horizontal box. But look what just happened. We just had a new spike in June of the option volume. In other words, even though no index, no stock index is at an all-time high. Look at the volume in options, a new record high in speculation. What does that tell us? Well, let's look to the left. In the past, if we see these big spikes, we can associate them with the double arrow, the NASDAQ and S&P all-time highs. We can associate them to the left of that with speculative fever in meme stocks, SPACs, and IPOs, those were not great times to be putting money into the market. They were great times to be taking money out or avoiding new purchases and new commitments of capital into the market. Okay, let's look at this other fallacy that's currently going on. Look at the fourth chart there, and you'll see this kind of interesting Inverted mountain chart. It's a mountain chart, only it might be under the sea, what land masses perhaps look like. But let's look at what they are. These are recessions. Each recession is circled in blue. This is when the US federal deficit as a percentage of GDP has gone and been negative. Well, if we look back all the way to 1950, there just haven't been very many times when it's been positive. So most of the time, since 1950, the ratio doesn't look good. That's because we've been borrowing as a country massively, even though we haven't been growing our production, our gross domestic production, GDP, as fast as we've been growing our debt. So we're borrowing and borrowing and borrowing money to to build the country, and it's not showing up. In productivity, that would be like if you own your own company and you keep borrowing money from the bank so you can grow your company, and your company is just getting deeper into debt without increasing its productivity. What would the bank do in that case? Right? They would foreclose on you, they, they would take their money back, they would demand payment, and they certainly wouldn't continue to renew new loans with you. So, What's the fallacy at this very moment? Well, if you look to the right, you can see the percentage now is at minus 5.5%, which except for a brief dip in 1982 and the great financial crisis in 2008, we are now at the worst level since 1950. So since 1950, there have only been two other periods worse than right now. All of those were recessions. So a lot of people have been asking, Ken, are we or are we not in a recession? Because the media and the government aren't talking about it. Well, again, it's not in everyone's best interest to talk about recession. We're coming into an election year and the politics is about to ramp up. So they're trying to downplay this concept of recession. But as you can see with the big red negative plunge to the worst level, uh, seen only worse twice in the past 70 years, it is what it is, right? If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's often a duck. Well, if this looks like a recession and feels like a recession, then it's quite often a recession. So again, today's episode was really to answer some questions that I promise I, I answer and I will. And I'll continue to do. So please continue to send those in. We love those. And also try and dispel some of the myths and fallacies and really misunderstandings really that just float around our consciousness and have no basis in actual data. Thanks. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Hey, I really wanted to thank everyone for honoring us and taking the time to listen to our show. There's, of course, tens of thousands of podcasts out there now, and we're grateful that you find the time to come back and listen to ours. Just know that we got you.